Ladies and gentlemen, I had a nice little meditation session this morning. Of course, this is the Dane and Nick show, and we're back, baby. We are back. So this week, we're going to be previewing Stanford's upcoming football season. Dane's going to be breaking down the schedule and kind of the administrative side of things. I'm going to be coming through with the roster and the personnel. So as always, you know the drill. This is the Dane and Nick podcast. We come on with facts, a little sass, all that, something in between the wildness. Dane coming through with some beautiful, straight, cold-hearted facts. I'm coming through with some great research, and who really knows what I'm coming through with? I don't even know. I just talk and sometimes just say things. So in all seriousness, I will get to it, but again, the format's going to be, this is my intro, Dane's going to give you a quick hello, I'm going to talk about the roster, and then Dane's going to break down the schedule in its entirety. So for me, looking at Stanford, and after last year's abysmal 4-8 performance that landed them dead last in the Pac-12 North, that season... I don't want to make excuses for anyone, and I know Dane feels pretty similar along these lines, but they really were decimated at the, every position, in particular at the offensive line, which is something that Stanford always hangs their hat on. So just the decimation of their offensive line, starting quarterback and secondary. Granted, they still did finish 4-8, and eight, no excuses, but it's just something to consider at least. At the very minimum, it's something to consider. So for me, starting out, Stanford next year to be successful needs two to do, I'd say two main things. And first off, let's get back to their defense. Over the last four years, their defense has gotten consistently work. So I'm going to read these stats in backwards order, starting with 2016 and going to the most previous season in 2019 last year. So in 2016, they're 18th in the country in defense, only allowing 20.4 points per game. 2017, 35th in the country, 22.7 points per game. 2018, 38th in the country, 22.9 points per game. And 2019, 80th in the country, allowing 29.8 points per game. So with the exception of last year's big jump, I mean, that's very notable. But again, that can be due to some injury type stuff. They have been progressively getting worse the last four seasons. And so I think David Sean Stanford need to hang their hat on defense, get back to that tough-minded physical approach that is Cardinal football. And on the other side of the ball, to complement the defense, they need to re-bolster that offensive line. I do believe they can do that this year. And I'll hop into a little bit more detail. When I say a little bit, probably a lot more detail into my body and the roster breakdown. But again, they really need to get that hard-nosed defense and physical running style back. This is Stanford football. This is how Stanford's going to win. They're never going to be overly explosive like the USC's or Oregon. I shouldn't say never because, you know, they do have a Bryce Love, a Christian McCaffrey, but their players top to bottom are probably not as explosive as the USC or Oregon. So again, Stanford needs to get back to their formula. Granted, they've been so successful over the last decade. I mean, truly amazing. So far under David Shaw's tenure, they've had, in his eight seasons, they've had three Rose Bowl appearances, including two Rose Bowl wins. So in all those eight years, we're winning seasons with exceptional last year. So it's nothing to get overly concerned about, but the tri- the direction of the program is trending downwards, so they do need to really right the ship this year. This could be a pivotal year in building momentum, whether they're going to be kind of a conference elite again or fall back to that mid-tier type team. I don't think they're going to fall back to the bottom of the conference again. I truly believe last year was an anomaly, but they really, really, really need to understand this is a swing year and probably David Shaw's most important offseason. I'm just going to say that hands down. So without further ado... I'm going to send it down to Tucson. It's cloudy in Seattle. I'll have to close my window. There's like an airplane going on outside, something like that. Probably sunny down in Tucson. So I'm going to send it down to Dane from Seattle, Tucson. Let's get started. And it's always good to hear from you, Dane. Thanks, bud. 
Thanks, Nick. Glad to be back here for the Stanford preview. Out here in the desert, it's the same old, same old hot days, sunny skies, not a cloud in the sky at all, and no rain. But um, it's going to be like this for about three more months, two more months, until we hit the monsoons in July, and maybe a bit in August, too. But, yeah, looking at Stanford football, I'm concerned about the whole virus response in the state of California, the governor of California, and the leaders of Stanford, and what their decision is going to be when it comes to whether or not they're going to have a football season. Uh, week one is only 100 days away, and they've got some decisions to make, and of course if the season were to start tomorrow, they would not be having a season. Um, the state of California's response has been much more stringent than the other states in the Pac-12, and I don't think that's going to change in the next four months. So it really puts into question whether or not Stanford is going to have a season. I hope they do. I'm looking forward to David Shaw's bounce back from what happened last year. They had a lot of injuries, particularly on the front line. But it was really all across the board. Every position they had injuries, and it just um, it, it held them back. You can't overcome injuries to your line and to your other key positions. You know, when your third and fourth string is going down, it's just like you throw your hands in the air. You don't know what to say. But uh, in the off season, they had a whole bunch of transfers, and not all of them transferred out, but most of them did. So this brings into question: you know, are they going to make a bowl game? Are they going to have the same season as they had last year? Um, and we'll break it down their schedule later in this episode, but my concern just in the intro is the whole virus response, the state of California's actions over the next three months, and more importantly, the administration at Stanford, what they decide going forward. That institution is, you know, one of the world-class leading, uh, best in the world. They have, you know, researchers, you know, in every field and subject. They're experts at, you know, nearly everything, and they're cutting edge, they're leading edge. Uh, you know, around the world. So um, I have a feeling that they might not have a season, but I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that, um, you know, they field a football team, even if it's a condensed schedule or they only play, you know, California, USC, UCLA, and then maybe, you know, go to Notre Dame for the game out there in Indiana. But ideally, they're going to play every single game. And hopefully by then, the whole situation will be under control anyway. We'll be looking back at this like... It was just, um, you know, a concern at the time, and it didn't really, you know, come to fruition that they weren't going to have a season. But until that moment, until, I guess, a vaccine is developed or whatever it takes for the leaders at Stanford to make the decision to have a football season, we're kind of in limbo. Um, but we can still break down their team and their roster, and we can look forward to their schedule because that's not going to change no matter what. The only, you know, X factor is whether or not they're going to play. But without further uh, ado, I'll throw it back up to Seattle to Nick. Have him break down uh, the roster, returning players, things like that. And then in the closing, I'll take a look at their schedule for 2020, give a little prediction about whether or not they'll make a bowl game. All right, guys. So before we get to my body paragraph here, I did make one mistake, and we want to give you the most factual, accurate information. So I just want to make sure I clarify, make sure we're all on the same page here. 
So strong safety Kendall Williamson is a junior, not a sophomore. Free safety Stuart Head is a senior, not a junior. And Jonathan McGill is a junior, not a sophomore. Again, in the body paragraph, I may have said that a little bit off, but I love making it. So without further ado, here's the rest of the body. So with most teams and programs, let's start with the flashy quarterback. They got throwing the tutties, you know what I'm saying. We got 50-yard bombs. We got cheerleaders dancing. The crayons in the stands. The crayons in the stands. The crowds in the fans. Dropping bars like I can from here to Japan. Okay, that was so fresh. I may consider a new rap career. I'm just throwing that out there. So with all of that, whatever that was, I really loved it. That's for sure. But I will start with defense at Stanford. You know, they got that knit and grit mentality. And so they really did lose a lot last year. Lost some players to transfers and lost others to graduation. And again, this is the 80th ranked scoring defense last season. So they really do have a lot of work to do. They really, really do. But the one positive thing is they are returning one good player on each facet of the defense. And what I mean by that is they have one solid player in the secondary, one solid player at the linebacking core, and another on the defensive line. So one great player at each level is probably a better way to phrase that instead of facet. But I do want to say, most notably, is they're going to be returning cornerback Paulson and Debo. He's a lockdown corner, and having him back really helps the defense. I mean, it gives the Stanford de- defensive coordinators a lot more options. Really, I'd say, in particular with man-to-man, Normally, I'd restart after a stutter. I'm just throwing this out there. But that rap was too fresh at the top. So now I got to roll with this segment. This is for you, baby. Or is it for me? I don't know, man. I don't really know. I'm just doing it. So seriously, though, having Paulson and Debo back is absolutely awesome. I think he just gives the Stanford defensive coordinator so many options. And he can be a leader. He can help the younger guys. He can help mentor them. So Debo's a name to remember. Could have went to the draft this year for sure, but he will be a lockdown corner in the Pac-12 and really, really the best overall player on that defense. So you're looking at the linebacker core. The most notable name is going to be Gabe Reed. I don't think he's a superstar like a Debo or anything, but he is a very solid player in his own right. And the linebacking core could actually be the most solid unit this year. Along with Gabe Reed, they have Jordan Fox and Curtis Robinson. So having three linebackers, obviously pretty good place to start. So they should be very solid in the middle there. And up front, they are led by, uh-oh, my laptop going to shut off? Nope. So up front, they're led by defensive end Thomas Booker, and he should establish the pass rush. So again, one notable player at each level, very important, led by Paulson and Debo. And for me, I know a lot of other analysts might say Kaya Blue Kelly's progression, he's the other cornerback, is kind of like the thing to look out for. And I don't buy into that. I think they have one solid player again in a Debo. This should allow you to play some man-to-man. Most Pac-12 teams aren't going to have, you know, multiple elite weapons at wide out. I mean, you're not playing USC every week. Well, hopefully not for the Cardinal at least. But what I do want to focus on is, is the safety position. And that's what really concerns me. I think that they can develop one other good safety. This defense can be very formidable. Not talking top 20 like they were four years ago, but back to that 30th or 40th overall defensive scoring rank. They could definitely achieve that. So... I do believe in them there, but the guys, again, it's going to be Kendall Williamson, not very experienced, believe he's a sophomore, and that's with a strong safety, and at free safety, you have Stuart Head, who's a junior, and Jonathan McGill, who's a freshman. So, Stuart Head is your most experienced safety as a junior, and he's really going to have to step up, or I mean, I guess one of these younger players could step up as well, but he is the most experienced. So again, if one of these safeties can step up, it just gives the defense so much more consistency, stopping the big play. And that's what the Cardinal need. Because I don't know if they have explosiveness on offense. So stopping the big play, really making teams earn it is going to be paramount to their success this year. Oh yeah, I was talking about offense. So I guess we're going to get to that guy who throws the ball. And so this year, that's going to be Davis Mills. He's definitely going to be the starting quarterback. 
David Shaw is quoted as saying he's the guy. Obviously, you never know what's happening in this world, especially in these unprecedented times, but 99.9% chance he's the starter, barring some sort of major injury. So for those of you unfamiliar with the Stanford program, KJ Costello was the starter last year, suffered from some injuries, and he did transfer to Mississippi State, joining forces with Mike Leach in the offseason. Davis Mills appeared in eight games, and this is again hopping back to the starting quarterback this year. Mills appeared in eight games and threw for 158, 241 passes for 1,960 yards and 11 touchdowns to five interceptions. So pretty solid stats. His numbers last year were actually better all around than Costello. And the Cardinal won two Pac-12 games with him as the starting guy. And that was against Oregon State and against Washington. And we had a little puberty break there, maybe. Not sure where, where that voice crack came from. But so he also started the last three games of the year, which were all losses. And that's obviously not really a ringing endorsement. But again, with just that decimated offensive line where they seriously had like 72 guys injured last year. I mean, he did the best he could. And just to give you an idea of really how beat up this offensive line was, they moved defensive end Dylan Boyles. They attempted him on the line, <laughs> on the offensive line. They let the tight end Tucker Fisk take reps on the offensive line. And then they added a discus thrower named James Kaufman to the roster. They seriously did all this to try and bolster the offensive line. So you got two offense players, and then you got, um, excuse me, one defensive player, one offensive player, and then a track and field athlete. This is pretty much unheard of. I mean, so, yeah, the offensive line was truly terrible. But hopping back to Davis Mills here again. Or I shouldn't say the offensive line was terrible. They were just very injured. Uh, Stanford, obviously, always has talented linemen. But hopping back to Davis Mills here really quickly before we do take a deeper dive here on the line. Davis Mills was actually the top-rated quarterback in high school in the 2017 class. And this is a group that included Tua Tagalavea and Jake Fromm. So he was rated higher than these guys at high school. So he clearly has the talent to get this done. That's not a question. It'll just be interesting to see how his high school success translates to college. And that's always a big step, regardless of the level. The speed's faster. Reading defense is more complicated. And everyone's just as athletic as you now. At least if you're Davis Mills. I mean, he's not the most fleet of foot guy. Great pocket passer, but again, not the most fleet of foot. So obviously for Stanford... The most important and what they're known for is the offensive line and just the big bruisers up front. And again, with the aforementioned just decimation of their line last season, I think they can get back to it this year. I really do think they have enough. And it's because of a balance of players. They returned some players from injury. They had a couple guys get reps last season, and they have some newcomers. So they really do a wide variety of offensive linemen who can really fulfill this new role. And so starting with Walker Little, he was an All-American type player. I believe he's the All-American. Don't quote me on that. But again, Walker Little returns, and he only played in week one last year, and I believe he's an offensive tackle. So he's a very, very solid lineman, and a huge bonus for them. Just having that one guy back of that caliber, huge, huge. They also return Drew Dahlman back at center, and he had an all-Pac-12 season. So you basically have an all-American type player and an all-conference type player. Right then and there, your line is two out of five guys, and you're pretty much good to go. If you got two guys and the other three are just mediocre, you should be all right. So just starting there with Stanford, you're really, really set up. On top of that, they have a huge recruit. You can call him a four and a half star or a high four star or a low five star. However you want to phrase it. His name's Miles Hinton. In all seriousness, I've seen him rated as a five star. I've seen him rated as a four star. It just kind of depends on the source. So I'll go with four and a half. But again, he's Miles Hinton and he's an offensive tackle. Six, seven, 310 pounds out of Georgia. And now you have three great linemen. So it looks like Stanford's going to be all right. Again, barring some aberration of injuries again, they should really be solid. And even filling out this class, they have James Pogorelk, 
and he's a four-star offensive tackle at 6'8", 275 out of Virginia. So right then and there, you have four very solid linemen, and this is just huge. I mean, this is absolutely huge for Stanford to get back to their style of power running football. I think if you look at the line as a whole, they should be very solid. And on top of that, they have 10 offensive linemen in the past two recruiting classes, so they should really be set the position. One thing where they may be a little bit concerned is do they have a playmaker like a Christian McCaffrey or Bryce Love? Obviously, no one that talented, but with a line like that, you should be able to get five a carry, but Stanford would really benefit from one elite weapon, whether at wide out or running back. And I don't know if they have that. Obviously, they usually have some good tight ends. They lost Colby Parkinson to the NFL, to the Seahawks, actually. But again, I mean, I just don't know if they have that elite weapon this year. If you're looking at one name to remember for halfback, it's going to be Austin Jones on 45 attempts last year, ran for 227 yards and one touchdown. The one big bright spot is going to be five yards per carry. But again, I mean, such limited action, it's hard to judge, but five yards per carry behind a terrible line or terribly decimated line last year. Really, I mean, that's something to hang your hat on. Again, we're going to have to see how that plays out in the field. I know a lot of people around the conference are very excited about Simi Fahoko at wideout. Had a very solid back half of the year last season. So after October 26, he had five touchdown passes. I mean, that's just a stat basically saying a good second half of the season. Forget that stat. It's not, I mean, don't forget it. I mean, he did, he did have a solid, you know, five touchdowns towards the back half of the season solid, but we'll really see how he performs. I'm not overly sold on him, but a lot of people in the Stanford camp would say he's similar to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, and he was a very, very valuable weapon in Stanford's 2018 passing offense. So there are some very positives there about Fajoko at wideout, but I don't really consider him a game-breaker. But he is tall, 6'4", so maybe you can just get him the ball, and he can make those you know high-point catches and just move the ball consistently. If he can do that, Stanford should be all right behind that massive offensive line that should be back to dominance again this year. Another name to consider wideout is going to be Michael Wilson. He could prove a valuable weapon. And so again, just to really quickly reiterate their roster, we're not going to dive too much deeper than that. It is still the spring. We're obviously got to see if football is meant to be played. Like Dane was talking about at the top there. He's got great insight on that administration stuff. I really respect that. And so we're going to leave it at that. But to quickly reiterate my roster talk, you have Davis Mills, the quarterback, top rated prospect in the 2017 class, and really could be a top solid QB. He really, really could be. Should have a great offensive line with the four or five players I mentioned. And they really need to find a weapon at the skill position player. So that could be Simi Fajoko or that could be, who's the halfback? Austin Jones. Again, telling you Austin Jones, very unknown name to this point. So these are going to be the two guys you're really looking at. If you want to throw a third name out there again, Michael Wilson at wide out. These could be the kind of the game breaking players, but I don't necessarily see it, but it is possible. And one final note I want to say before I hand it down to Dane, he's going to break down the schedule, is this is going to be new for David Shaw. He's been so consistent, so solid, such a great overall coach, seems like a humble man. But again, this is a new opportunity to grow. Coming off a losing season, it's very easy to win and be smiley and keep the program winning well when you're in the Rose Bowl, Fiesta Bowl, winning season, winning season, nine wins, 10 wins, whatever. But coming off a four and eight year, you start off slow again and start off slow particularly at the beginning of the season, players' confidence could really begin to falter. So it'll just be interesting to see how David Shaw handles this. I'm not going to make a guess because I am i don't know him personally, so I can't say how he's going to handle it. But it's just interesting. It's something to keep an eye on. You know, how, how do I want to phrase this here? It's just a different perspective in a different angle operating from a winning ball club to a losing ball club. So let's just see how he handles that. 
And for me in Seattle, since I said handle that 42 times in the last minute there, I'm going to send it down to Dane to handle the business, boy. Dane's going to take us out. So from Seattle, I think that airplane's gone now, down to Tucson where it's sunny and apparently there's monsoons in Tucson. What the heck, Dane? Should I not be going there during July or August? I thought the only thing I had to worry about was rattlesnakes, man. What the heck? You got monsoons and rattlesnakes? Arizona? <laughs> in all seriousness, I've heard Arizona's absolutely beautiful, but that monsoon comment kind of caught me off guard there. Seriously, Arizona, one of the most beautiful places. A lot of beautiful land. My cousin went to ASU, so with that, I'm going to send it down to Dane. He's going to break down the rest of Stanford's schedule. Thanks for listening to me, guys. Have a great day. Good stuff, Nick. Thorough, well-researched as always. I think it's fair to say that there are some questions about Stanford football. A lot of injuries happened last year, but it's safe to say that even with those injuries, the the season and the outcome wasn't acceptable for what Stanford has done over these past, you know, the entire Pac-12 era. And ideally, you want your programs in the Pac-12 that are, you know, up there at the elite level to stay at that level. And this year is a pivotal season for Stanford, the direction of the program, etc. So, but looking at their schedule, open up the year with a home game against uh, William and Mary, and um, yeah, I mean, this is Division II school automatic victory. Of uh, really, in this game, you just don't want to get any injuries. And that's basically it. And week two, head out to Tucson uh, to take on the Wildcats. This is going to be a really interesting game. Depending on how Juve does the first few games that they have. Uh, they have games at Texas Tech, uh, Hawaii, so and then NAU, I believe. But um, this will be a really important test for both programs. Arizona will have much more experience playing this season. I think they'll already have played two or three games, and Stanford will be on their second game, their first uh, match against a Division One opponent. So the experience is going to be on Arizona's side. The fact that the game's in Tucson is on Arizona's side. Um, and really, based on what happened last year, the teams were pretty evenly matched, and the skill level in both programs is about the same at this point. So... That leads me to believe that Arizona is probably going to win this game, though that could change definitely if Arizona, you know, loses to Hawaii and Texas Tech at the beginning of the year. They're probably not going to beat Stanford. If they beat Hawaii and lose to Texas Tech, you know, might not beat Stanford either. So that's a toss-up. Who knows what happens in that one, but that's a big game to start the year um, for both programs, even if it doesn't have as much, you know, um, glamour and glitz. This is an important game for both programs. And then USC comes to the Bay, and so Stanford will be uh, facing the Trojans at home. Um, USC's going to be really good this season. Uh, really good might be too much to say, but they're going to be good. They're going to be improved over last season, so I'm going to chalk that one up to the Trojans. But I think Stanford gives them a bit of a battle in the first half. And then the tree goes to UCLA, so back-to-back playing the Los Angeles schools, but this one against the Bruins is in LA, and this is another toss-up. Um, I'll have a better feel of how Stanford will do in this game based on their performance in Tucson against Arizona. If they beat Arizona, I think they can beat UCLA. If they lose to Arizona, I don't think they can beat UCLA. But it's a toss-up again that could go either way. So you got two toss-up games, one automatic win and one loss at this point. You could be 3-1. and one. You could be 1-3. and three. Uh, and in the end, you're probably going to be 2-2 two and two at this point in the season. Just it's unclear which one you're going to win and lose other than the USC game. Uh, and then a huge matchup in South Bend. The Cardinal go 
um, and face Notre Dame out there in Indiana. Uh, I've actually been to a Stanford-Notre Dame game um, out there in South Bend once. Stanford won. This is a big matchup. It's a mid-late afternoon game, so it'll start during the daylight, but it'll eventually um, finish at night. It's going to be a, a huge matchup for the fans out there. They're going to come out early. They're going to be tailgating all day. There's a lot of pageantry out there in South Bend. It's a good atmosphere. You want to, As a player, you want to play in those games. Stanford's going to be hyped. I think Notre Dame's going to win just because they've you know they've been playing well over these past few seasons. They're trending in the right direction. Though Stanford could give them a battle. Um, it'll be on national TV, probably on what is the Notre Dame network, NBC, I think. Um, and anyways, should be a fantastic battle, but you're probably going to give the edge to Notre Dame there. And then Washington State comes to town. So Stanford's going to play Washington State um, at home out there in Palo Alto. So that's probably a victory for Stanford, though. Um, depending on how Washington State is doing at that time of the season, it's really hard to know. Um, Rolovich is implementing that new system. Brand new quarterback with no experience. That's the key out there for Wazoo. So you, you really have no idea what you're getting out there with that system at that point. If it's working well and it's running well, they're going to score a lot of points, but the defense is probably going to give up a lot of points. Um, on the other hand, could be a battle. I think Stanford could win, but it's another toss-up. It's a 50-50 game at this point of the year. Again, Stanford's um, performances at Arizona and at UCLA will give you a really good idea of how they'll play against Washington State and whether or not they'll even win that game. So assuming that they probably do win that one, uh, the next week they face Oregon in Eugene. I have a feeling this is going to be a blowout. Won't even be close. Oregon's going to crush them. Okay, and then um, Oregon State comes to Stanford. So this is certainly a winnable game for the Cardinal. Um, probably an expected victory considering Jake Lutton left Oregon State. Uh, the Beavers are on a roll. They're recruiting very well. And they got a lot of momentum, belief behind that program, depending on how they do up to that point in the season. The Beavers could be favored to win this one. Though, as we stand right now, I would probably pick Stanford, but that's another toss-up. And I want to lean towards Oregon State winning this game. But that's because I have a little bit of more, I think, optimism about Oregon State's program than, than maybe some people. Though, at this point, that's another toss-up game. So you have... One, two, you know, three, four toss-up games already at this point that could really go either way. So if Stanford could theoretically lose all four, they could theoretically win all four. Um, so really at this point, um, you know, it's a mixed bag. You don't know really what you're going to get. It just depends on how well the Cardinal are playing and um, as importantly how well their opponents are playing. Um, but the fact that the game's at home, you can you may want to give the edge to Stanford at least at this point in the season. And then the tree go to Washington up there in Seattle. This is probably a loss. Uh, I know Stanford, you know, performs well in these games against UW. And they've, um, you know, that's like a bugaboo for, for the Huskies up there is beating Stanford. But the fact that the game's up there in Seattle, you have a new coach. Um, he's going to be really motivated to get this victory. I think Washington wins. And um, it might be close. It might not be. But I think you're probably going to give that one to Washington just because it's on the road. New coach, like I said. And then the following week, the tree hosts Colorado. So this is definitely a winnable game. Um, fully expect the Cardinal to win this one. If if they can't beat Colorado in Palo Alto, huge issues, huge problems running deeper than just, you know, injuries or recruiting or, you know, that, that's a problem. Um, so I think Stanford's going to win that one. Um, 
fairly easily, probably by two or three touchdowns. Following week is the big game out there in Berkeley, so just right across the way. And, you know, this is going to be a great game. Uh, a rivalry matchup, you know, Cal is really pushing to start that, you know, to get two in a row against them. They, you know, Stanford had however many victories in a row over the last, you know, probably the entire Pac-12 era. You know, they were just dominating this series. And finally, Cal broke through last year. Chase Garbers is returning. That defense is going to be just as good. Uh, defensive coordinator remained intact despite some rumors that he might be moving. So, yeah, California is going to be good next year. I expect them to beat the tree, especially because the game's out there uh, at Memorial Stadium. And you just, I mean, all those factors playing together. Um, the Really, this it's really like a mirror image, or not a mirror image, but it's it's one program that's on the rise and one program that's, you know, slipping. Stanford being the one that's slipping and Cal being the one that's on the rise. And this matchup here... Stanford versus Cal, November twenty first. It's gonna it's gonna be the exclamation point on California's rise, or it's gonna be you know the gut punch to the Bears to let them know you know this is not just gonna go your way, and things aren't just gonna you know we're not gonna roll over and let you take over the Bay Area when it comes to you know the football program and who's got the upper hand in that rivalry. So this is gonna be a major matchup. Really important for both programs, really important for both coaches, the directions of both programs. That's the game of the year for the Cardinal, hands down. The game at Notre Dame is big. Uh, the game against USC and Oregon and Washington are also big. But this game against Cal at the end of the year is by far the biggest and has the most weight moving forward for the next, you know, the next decade that we're in here, the 2020s. And then they, they cap the year off with an interesting matchup against BYU at the end of the season. Um... I think the I think Stanford can win. It, I really I can't. It's hard to make a prediction about BYU at this point of the season. Um, you know we're we're here in May, and it's really an unknown factor how good BYU is going to be, and really how good the tree are going to be. But assuming that Stanford loses to Cal, which I think they will, um, the game against BYU could be the difference between a bowl game and another year without a bowl. So it's another toss-up game in my mind. Which brings, you know, the number of toss-up games that they have to like four or five. I mean, against Arizona, UCLA, Washington State, Oregon State, BYU. Um, those are all toss-up games. I think the for sure victories are Colorado. Of course, the beginning of the year, William and Mary. And, you know, that's basically all the ones that you have guarantees of. And so... I mean, you're looking at anywhere between maybe a four-win season and a seven-win season. I think I would err on the caution of, of you know, the better side that you're going to make a bowl game and that you're going to probably beat Arizona or possibly beat Arizona at the beginning of the year and UCLA or one of those other 50-50 chance on either of those. But, uh, I mean, if they lose both of those games, if they lose to Arizona and UCLA at the beginning of the year, you can probably forget about a bowl game because that's just not going to happen. Um, you can't lose, you know, to those two programs considering where they are at this point, um, you know, in the Pac-12 era. So really the first four games of the year, huge. Uh, the game against uh, Notre Dame going to be a great one. And, of course, um, the big game at the end of the year against Stanford. It's going to be fantastic to watch. But let's just hope that they have a season and they get to play and that we get to continue to debate about David Shaw and the Cardinal program, um, you know, for the next few months leading up to the season and assuming they're going to play, uh, you know, in the middle of the season how they do. 
But uh, without uh, saying more about that, we will see you guys next week. And uh, stay safe till then.